Welcome to the Conflict Tipping Podcast with Dr. Laura May. Hello and welcome to the Conflict Tipping Podcast from Mediate.com, the podcast that explores social conflict and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Laura May, and today I have with me Nelly Karilova. Nelly has been conducting research at the European Security and Defence College and recently submitted her PhD dissertation on power perception and conflict prevention in the Black Sea region. She is interested in conflict prevention, security, and defense. So welcome, Nelly. Hi, Laura. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it's great to have you here with me today. But let's dive straight on in. Because I want to know about the regions that you're interested in and why you're interested in those regions. Let's start there. Well, I started uh, exploring the Black Sea region about 10 years ago when there was no war and there were no conflicts at that time. Still, Crimea was not invaded as well. And I come from Bulgaria. And the universities in Bulgaria, it's highly popular that the Black Sea region is a place of high intensity of conflict, as well as the Western Balkans. And the students were encouraged to study any of these two regions and to try to identify how to prevent potential conflicts in the future. So this is the bias that I come from. And just for those who are less geographically inclined, when we talk about the Black Sea region, what does that actually incorporate? Well, if we look back in the history of the Black Sea region, we have uh, Russia and Turkey constantly competing for influence and trying to control more of the countries, territories and uh, people around the Black Sea. And this has been lasting for centuries in the past. And most probably it will continue in the future as well. Of course, we have other players in the region, such as very long ago, the Mongol Empire was reaching this territory. Also the Byzantine Empire, which is inherited by Greece nowadays. And maybe in the future, there will be other players as well, like Iran. So we need to, to know the past, but we also need to look who are the strong actors at the moment so that we could prevent their attempts to control and uh, their potential conflicts. And why do you think the Black Sea region is such a nexus for conflicts as you've just described? Oh, because too many civilizations are meeting at this territory. We have the Slavic civilization, we have the Orthodox religion as well, we have the Muslim religion, and also we have the Turkic languages, we have these are the big players and we have the small players with small languages and cultures like Georgia with different language and we have Armenia and Azerbaijan with different languages and culture and we have Bulgaria and Romania which are also different from each other. Basically all the countries which surround the Black Sea are too diverse in territory, in languages, in religion, in uh, ambitions, in GDP. And when we have such a lack of homogeneity around a place, it's highly uh, likely that they will be in conflict in the future because it's very difficult for them to, to agree on whatever they try to agree. For example, there is a Black Sea Economic Cooperation Organization which was trying to organize a, a transport link between the countries and even such a simple issue like organizing the highway and making the transport easy was very difficult for these countries because they perceive things differently and because they are always 
expecting that the other one is maybe trying to harm them or maybe not wishing them well. And for this reason, there is no common language, no common understanding between these countries. And we need to find a way to communicate. Like in the EU, we also have a lot of different countries, civilizations and languages, but still the countries are able to cooperate. Around the Black Sea, not so much because the level of trust is much lower. And so then turning to your PhD, while we're talking about conflict, I understand that in this you contribute to academic knowledge of conflict prevention as well as improving the role of the EU as a conflict prevention actor in the region. So first things first, how did you do this research? It was case study based, right? I started with a case study and my basic idea was that the lack of common understanding is the reason for conflict. But later I narrowed it down and I constructed a whole new theory, which new theory can be applied to other regions as well. My basic presumption is that the conflict can uh, happen as a result of competition between regional actors, strong regional actors, like Russia and Turkey, which I have in mind for the Black Sea region and also the West, which appeared after the Cold War ended. But it could be used from different perspectives, like other researchers could look for other reasons for conflict. I just look for the competition for influence between strong regional actors. Okay, and so when you talk about influence then and fighting for influence, I mean, influence over whom? What does this actually mean? Influence over territory and people, Mm -hmm. mostly. Because when a strong regional actor controls the territory and people beyond its border, it could win, it could earn from, for example, the natural riches in the land, Mm -hmm like energy, petrol oil, gold, or other minerals. And it could win from people doing things which are in favor of the strong regional actor. And this is why a regional actor like Empire is trying to grow because it tries to have more land and to have more people. As simple as that. It's so funny when you started talking about expanding borders and finding natural riches and golden minerals all i could think about was actually the sort of late 90s game age of empires where you would go out and find these little patches of gold and spread across the i guess the globe so apparently there was the historical basis to that and so the way you're using this word influence is the way sometimes people use the word power right so how did power come up in your research how do you conceptualize power Power is a very interesting concept and it can mean very diverse things. So I identified two huge branches of power in international relations and I used both of them to conceptualize the idea. The first one is the status of an IR actor. So this means what is the territory, what is the population, how big is the actor in international relations, and what is the capacity to influence, uh, what is the military capacity, what is the economic capacity of this actor. So this is the power as a status of actor in international relations, and usually it is like small power, middle power, regional power, big power, great power, global power. Uh, these are the typical definitions. 
And if we want to use the model of comparing the competition between uh, power actors, we need just to pick two actors who have the same power status. Two middle powers or two big powers. This was the first branch of power. And the second branch of power is the external influence, like attempt to exercise external influence in another territory. And as such, we have hard power, soft power, smart power, sharp power in international relations. These are typical and they overlapped to some extent with the concept of security of the Copenhagen School. So um, I divide power into six categories, which I call elements of power. And they're based on these two major classifications. And the first element of power for me is the military security. The second is economy investment. The third one is energy climate. And these three fall within hard power. Then the fourth element of power is the diplomacy politics. The fifth is governance society. And these two fall within soft power. And then the sixth element of power is information access and exchange, which goes into sharp power. Okay. And so just to have some concrete examples then. So if we talked about influence by the internet and so having state-based bodies to affect propaganda or discourses in a different country, which element of power would that be? Oh, this is the information access because it's... It's very difficult to measure information nowadays because we have so much and it's exchanged in so many ways. Mm-hmm. It's not only through the internet, but also through the people. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, when the internet was not so much used, it A was very easy ago. to... <laughs> so, 2001, we weren't using the internet then. <laughs> Maybe a few decades ago. <laughs> we're still young, but this sounded like we're already elderly professors yeah okay okay. (laughs) some years ago decades ago when there was not so much use of internet it was possible to exchange information through people but it was very easy because mostly the the attempt to to catch information flows was through official documents or things like that but uh, students actually meet and exchange all kinds of information easily for free without any uh, limit on this. And I always thought, why governments don't don't pay attention to this? Mm-hmm. Young people just share all the information without any, any limit. And the, all kinds of exchange programs like Erasmus, Erasmus Mundus and others are just very easy way to share information mm-hmm. and to exchange information. This information could be used for different purposes. If people aim to use it for good, very good. If not, then we should be careful about that. Mm-hmm. And so on your question about propaganda, yeah, it's on the information sharing and access, the sixth element of power of mine. But we cannot measure it uh, completely. We just could measure the intentions of an international relations actor to use information as a tool of influence. And if we look at the last strategies of the European Union, it's visible that it's trying to pay more attention to the information sharing and access, and especially it's trying to combat propaganda. But if we look at the foreign policy strategies of Russia, Turkey, or other more authoritarian style democracies. (laughs) I love that. 
authoritarian style democracies. <laughs> Officially, they're democracies, but we know how not everybody is able to say what they want to say, mm-hmm. and people are reshaping the information in a way that it would sound acceptable to the authorities, mm-hmm. but still they're expressing what they want to express. So if you remember, there was a book of George Orwell called uh, 1984, and there everything was replaced with something else, mm-hmm. every word, basically. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that idea of war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength in 1984. Now in 2023, yeah. still. <laughs> okay. <laughs> some, some countries lose these slogans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So democracy, authoritarianism is democracy in this case. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool. But, well, if we speak about power, we have the two concepts, like power as status of higher actors mm-hmm. and power as areas of competition. And if we put these concepts together, in a very simple formula, like I think in mathematical formulas for international relations, but it sounds logical and I think we could use it to, to prevent the conflict. Wow, but the very that, important... that really escalated. I love that. You're like, so we'll just put this power calculation in, we'll do some math and bam, we have the solution <laughs> to conflict. Well, I need to know this, this magical mathematical formula. <laughs> but there is a small thing that we need to pay attention to and that is time. Because if we do not use a particular time, the formula doesn't work at all. And if we use the time correctly, then it's very easy to apply the formula and to basically prevent conflict. So, so, wait, so why time? If we're talking about time then, so is it we say, all right, we plug in data from 2020 to 2023. Do we plug in data from a month? Do we plug in data for a century? Like when we talk about sort of limiting all this by time, what kind of time periods can we use? So we need to select a region where we are going to apply the theory. Mm -hmm. And I selected the Black Sea region, but it could be any region. Just we need to to select a time period in which there are no crises at this place. I selected between 2016 and 2021, which is only five years of time without crisis, but it could be bigger or smaller time period. And this time without crisis, we need to pick the potential regional competitors in the region. The Black Sea region, these were at that time, Russia, Turkey, and the European Union as the West. For other regions, it would be other actors. And then we need to select their foreign and security policy strategies in action during that time. And in these documents, we can insert the six elements of power like I created the categories which contain words of each of the six elements of power. And then I checked the strategies to see how many words they use for each of the six uh, elements of power. And then based on this content analysis, a simple pie chart can be done and we could see the percentage share for each of the six elements of power. And then we know this actor will be reactive on this element of power at this time. As we have this information, we could just negotiate, like we are a big international organization. It could be European Union, UN, or any other big actor who is trying to prevent the conflict. We go, we negotiate with these uh, strong region actors, actually, and we make sure that they don't get triggered by anyone else in the region on this very, very specific element, which they perceive as very important at that time. 
Okay, so I'm going to use a really terrible analogy for this, so roll with me. So say it's us, it's, it's you and me, uh, we've been writing a diary, okay, and we're talking about all of our hopes and dreams and our worries and whatever else. And then a researcher comes in and they go, all right, well, I'm going to see how much they talk about this particular idea. So say it's self-esteem related issue. They'll have a dictionary of self-esteem related words and they'll go through our diaries, very rude of them. Uh, and that's like, oh, I think this person has a problem with self-esteem. And then they say, all right, well, to prevent conflict between Laura and Nellie, I need to make sure they don't attack each other's self-esteem because that will result in a, a huge blow up and their friendship will be over. And so using that analogy, if you'll forgive me for, <laughs> for reframing your PhD like that, that's basically what you did, except instead of with diaries, you chose, all right, here's these policies that people have written and published from these countries. They've got this many words that I've said are about information. So, all right, information is a really big thing for them. Or they've got this many words about military. So, oof, they're going to be really upset if people have some kind of military intervention or what have you. And that, as I understand it, is what you've done, right? Yes, but imagine that in your diary, you have the self-esteem as one of the very, very important things. You put a lot of weight on it. Mm -hmm. And in my diary, I put the um, sunlight or something completely not related to whatever, something else. And if you try to restrict my access to sunlight, I would be very reactive. And if I try to restrict your self-esteem, you would be very reactive. And there would be conflict. But you should know which is my conflict trigger and I should know which is your conflict trigger mm-hmm. because otherwise, if you think that self-esteem is important to me and it is not, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And if you don't um, understand that sunlight is very important to me, again, it will not work. So we need to just understand what is the basic value of the other one mm-hmm. and to prevent their reaction. Great. And so how do we actually apply this then? So first of all, we need to recognize then the phase of prevention of a conflict is very important because nowadays the focus is on crisis management after it already escalated and maybe trying to make peace afterwards and to make the countries agree to communicate again in a normal way. And what we need to do is to prevent this escalation of the conflict early enough. How does it work? So we are a big international organization. Let's imagine tomorrow we are either the European Union or the UN or another big one. Mm -hmm. We pick regions which have high potential of conflicts in the world. We select time period when they are not in a conflict. Mm -hmm. And we pick the regional competitors who are most likely to try to influence the territories and people around so that we know who are the actors we are going to explore. Mm -hmm. After we have the actors, we make sure that they are in a similar power status, like regional powers or competitors. Mm -hmm. And then we use the six elements of power to explore their foreign policy strategies and to find out who is reactive on what. And then we, as a big international organization, make sure that we negotiate with these regional competitors that their high values will not be touched, will not be endangered, and they do not need to initiate a regional security crisis to protect their high value, the elements of power. And instead, we try to cooperate with them and to give them more of what they need 
so that they would be more likely to to negotiate and to keep the peace stable in the region. It's very important. We can negotiate because in the strategies we see that, okay, this country is reactive on this issue and would probably trigger a conflict. We do not want a conflict, but we would like to cooperate on other issues which are not so problematic. So we need to find the issues which are there rooted and they are not potentially going to trigger a conflict and we need to make them do more of the good, I think. Of course, I'm very optimistic, but... Yeah, uh, really optimistic. <laughs> but we have to do it somehow. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, yeah maybe I'm too cynical. But actually in this Black Sea region, there are other things which are really cool. <laughs> For example, the culture is very rich. So if we succeed somehow to focus on culture instead of military, again, everybody would have more influence on everyone because sharing culture is this, sharing what we're good at, attending cultural events or rebuilding cultural monuments or even food, bio, eco food, which is a very hot uh, topic in the Western world. World could come from Black Sea region, for example, because it's easy to produce and it's uh, high quality. Uh, what else? The nature is very beautiful. There are amazingly beautiful sceneries in the mountains, the sea, and it's very accessible, easy to reach it, short distances. It's amazing. But we need to refocus. We need to change the attention from the military to how, how to, to enjoy what we already have. Because now the narrative only goes to the war and only goes to who is stronger, who is doing what better, and it's not good. And the world nowadays doesn't have psychology tests, but it's uh, much needed because if we have people who are egocentric, egoistic, and uh, not thinking about the others, but taking a high level leadership position, for sure they'll make other people suffer. We need to solve this problem in, in any place. I'm not sure that it's a hot topic now, but it should be. Because all Stalin, Hitler, Napoleon, all of them had uh, some issues with self-esteem and this led to villain behavior. And it's, yeah, it's crazy that a them problem should become a rest of the world problem. So yeah, therapy for all, therapy for all. I'm very into this. Yeah, we started with completely different things, but we ended up here, so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We came to an agreement. We just sent everyone to therapy, everything will be great. Yeah, but those who want to be in leadership positions, for sure, because otherwise. Yeah, I absolutely agree, actually. And I mean, I do some work, and this is not with like national leaders, but with business leaders along these lines where we do actually talk about feelings and stuff. And, you know, sometimes people do go on to seek therapy so they can become better leaders within businesses. And if you've got sort of top level business leaders doing this kind of work, why would we have people who are trying to run countries not doing the same stuff? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially if the country is very big, <laughs> you need a very good uh, internal strength of the person who is going to lead this country. Mm -hmm. Okay, Nelly. And so now we've established therapy is the future for everyone. What is next for you? <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty much impressed by academic positions and academic uh, perspectives, but also by diplomatic positions and perspectives. 
And I'm wondering what is the connection between diplomacy and academia? Because they should always be hand in hand. If you cut the connection between the two, they'll be less efficient. So I'm thinking about establishing bridges between this in the long term. Of course, I know there are advisory roles of the diplomatic bodies in the institutions and the practitioners visit universities and academic conferences. But uh, my future, I think, will be in these two paths. Fantastic. And for those who are interested in learning more about your work, where can they find you? It's best to look at my profile in LinkedIn. <laughs> Because there I post everything that I do, all the podcasts, or the um, publications. Now I'm uh, publishing a few articles. I have some of them already in print and some of them are coming soon. Particularly those are, are related to the foreign policy analysis of Russia, Turkey and the EU. And also the theoretical uh, perspectives of power in the international relations. So if you're interested in uh, reading about this follow my LinkedIn profile and you can find it there. Awesome. And I'll, I'll make sure to include a link as well in the episode description. Thank you. Thank you very much, no, Laura. You, Nelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. And for everyone else, until next time, this is Laura May with the Conflict Hub podcast from Mediate.com. This podcast has been brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com products and services, please visit us at www.mediate.com dot com.